And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I am Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Danny Hyde, and he's a pastor of Oceanside United Reformed Church in Carlsbad, California. Danny, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Yep, thanks for having me again. I think it was a, while, a couple years ago I was on before. Yeah, it's been a little while. And since that time, you've put out a new book, and it's a real substantial work. The title is Grace Worth Fighting For. It's a wonderful title, uh, rather shocking at first, until you start reading the book, and it makes a whole lot of sense. But uh, <laughs> to get us started, can you tell us what your new book is about? Sure. It is in honor of the 400th anniversary of the Synod of Dort, which was a gathering of pastors and theologians and politicians across Europe in the city of Dortrecht, which is in the Netherlands. Uh, that happened uh, 1618, and then it spilled into 1619. So this is a 400th anniversary of that event. And they gathered to uh, deal with the theological issue uh, within the Reformed churches in the Netherlands, but also that was uh, being debated across uh, Europe at the time, which was uh, issues of uh, sin and human will, uh, grace, and so forth. So, you know, topics like predestination, you know, Christ's death, and so forth were the sort of sort of, sort of the the flashpoints. But the big issue was the issue of grace and how it operates in uh, human salvation. Yeah, and um, people today, you know, it's a long time ago, four hundred years. Um, People might think, "Oh, why? Why would I care about this this uh, this thing 400 years ago?" But um, what would you what would you say to a person on the street when they might respond that way to you? Well, uh, God God is the Lord of the universe, and uh, including us, and uh, he he reveals himself in a certain way in terms of you know how he's made us, uh, how he calls us to respond to him. But yet, because of our uh, what the Bible calls our sin, uh, we're, not, we're not able to uh, respond to him appropriately. So he has to reveal himself and accommodate himself to us uh, in, the, in the work of salvation, work of redemption from sin. Uh, and so, um, you know, God says what he says. The issue is how we as fallen uh, human creatures, even as, even as redeemed fallen human creatures, uh, still struggle in our minds to understand the mysteries of who God is and what salvation is, and so this this struggle, uh, trying to reconcile things like God says He 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 chooses some and He doesn't choose others. Uh, how does that square with God calling us to respond to Him in faith and repentance? Uh, the Bible talks about Jesus uh, laying down His life for His sheep, but at the same time, uh, God so loves the world that He gave His only Son. So how do we reconcile things that seem to us uh, contradictory? Um, so, uh, and, and, and this, this struggle of understanding has been going on within Christian churches, uh, since very early times. And so it's, it's a perennial issue, a perennial struggle. Yeah, for sure. Your book, if I look at the outline of it, it's uh, first point of doctrine, redemption planned, second point, redemption accomplished, third and fourth, redemption applied, and fifth, Redemption preserved, and so in the, the remaining twenty minutes that we have, uh, yeah. c- can you uh, 
talk to each of these points that your book covers. Uh, let's let's um, if if it's appropriate right now, talk about redemption planned. Yeah, that's the big topic, uh, the big uh, bugaboo topic of predestination, and at the Synod of Dort, uh, this issue came up because uh, there were some within the Reformed churches that said that God God has chosen uh, a certain number of people to salvation, but uh, the way that that comes about is through a person exercising their free will. And so in a sense, God God chooses, but he only chooses on the basis of those he knows are going to choose him. So that was the big struggle and the big issue. Uh, and so they gathered these pastors and theologians and politicians and so forth gathered to, to discuss that. Uh, so uh, predestination has, uh, first of all, it, it's clearly taught to us all throughout Scripture. Uh, we see it in the Old Testament where God uh, chooses Abraham. God chooses the Israelites, not any other nation, he tells us in Deuteronomy 7. Uh, he chose them not because they were greater in number and so forth, but because of his love. And that that idea uh, continues. We see it clearly re- uh, revealed in the New Testament. Jesus talks about it. Uh, the apostles talk about it. You know, Ephesians 1. As one uh, one clear text uh, where the apostle praises God that He's chosen us uh, in His Son Jesus before the foundation of the world in His love. So predestination is that purpose and plan of God uh, before the foundation of the world, it's from eternity past, uh, and it's f- completely gracious. So apart from anything in us or to to be done by us, it's a gracious act uh, in which God. Uh, grabs hold of and 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 uh, purposes to save uh, a group of people, which only he knows, uh, that is uh, equally fallen and sinful and deserving of nothing uh, as those he passes over. So the 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 question then comes up from people: uh, Well, doesn't that make God unjust? Isn't that unfair? You know, why does he choose one and one and not another? Uh, is it sort of like a cosmic, you know, lot of, like a lottery where there's ping pong balls? And the question, uh, and the answer is no. Um, it's based in God's grace, God's wisdom, God's purpose. And uh, when the Apostle Paul, for example, discusses predestination and election to salvation uh, in Romans chapters nine, ten, eleven, uh, at the end of chapter number nine, when these very questions come up about injustice and fairness and so forth, Paul simply says, who are you, O man, to reply to God? Uh, shall not the, the potter uh, you know, make the clay as he wants to? So we're clay, we're dust. Uh, there's, a, there's a certain limit to our knowledge and our understanding of these things. And at the end of the day, we have to merely just adore God uh, and praise him. So that's the first thing that, uh, that the Synod of Dort was seeking to explain was this, this work of predestination, uh, which is God's eternal and gracious purpose. Yeah, that's very helpful. It seems like when we read the Bible, we come across these things that sometimes we have a hard time with, and it's better that if we can find um, a way of interpreting the Bible so that it all fits together. And that's what I found beautiful about predestination in my own journey, coming from Arminianism to a a biblical point of view. Um, So that's redemption planned in the canons of Dort, as you've outlined them here in your excellent book, Grace Worth Fighting For. Let's talk a little bit about redemption accomplished. 
Sure. So uh, it's important to, re- to remember, as I mentioned, with uh, predestination, that as Paul says in Ephesians 1, as an example, that he's chosen us, meaning those of us who, who, who now believe, he's chosen us from the foundation of the world in his son, Jesus Christ. So uh, this plan is always Christ-centered. Uh, it always has Christ uh, in mind. And so he's the one who then, uh, in the fullness of times, he comes forth and he's born of a woman, as uh, Galatians 4 says. And he lives his life uh, of obedience to God in the place of us sinners. Uh, he goes to the cross. Uh, he lays down his life and uh, is raised up. Well, why? Well, he's doing this uh, to to bring about that purpose and plan uh, of uh, of predestination, of that, uh, that uh, redemption plan, the first point. So he accomplishes that work. And uh, I'm preaching the Gospel of John right now, and you see all throughout the Gospel of John, for example, where Jesus is constantly telling his disciples and uh, those who are questioning him, like the Pharisees, that he, he did not come from heaven to earth to do his own will. He came to do the will of the one who sent him, the Father. And uh, finally, at the end of the, of the story, when he's on the cross, he cries out, it's finished, which in the context of John's gospel is referring to this plan that he uh, has been speaking of uh, for three years uh, in his various uh, journeys up and down throughout Judea. Uh, Samaria, Galilee, and so forth. So he came to accomplish the purpose for which uh, the Father sent him, which was to accomplish redemption. So uh, in, in the canons of Dort then, at the Synod of Dort, uh, the canons are these, these, these theological you know, guidelines and rules that they write down. Uh, they wrestle with not, not just that issue, um, the relationship between eternity and time, but also the relationship between texts that talk about Jesus uh, uh, giving his life, you know, not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world, for example, 1 John 2, uh, but also texts like Ephesians 5 or John 10, where Jesus says he lays down his life for the sheep, uh, for those who know his voice. So they, they, they express this in terms of uh, saying that his death is infinitely valuable, uh, infinitely sufficient. Uh, that if it were, uh, that if God had, you know, in theory made a million worlds, the, the one death of the son of God, uh, in human flesh is sufficient for, uh, for, for all those worlds. But at the same time, uh, the Bible says not, not all benefit from that death. And so in a very, uh, in a very particular way, he has come to accomplish, uh, the redemption of those elect, of those predestined to salvation ones. So there's a there's sort of a balancing act there in terms of the free offer of the gospel to the whole world in the based in the sufficiency of Christ's death, but yet uh, the benefits of that come only to those, you know, ultimately for whom uh, the Father has chosen, uh, for whom Christ has given his life for uh, in a very uh, effective way, uh, and those who come to faith. Yeah. Beautiful. Today we're talking with Pastor Danny Hyde. He's written a new book, Grace Worth Fighting For, and it documents this um, canon of Dort some 400 years ago. Uh, This synod of Dort met November of 1618 all the way through the end of May 
1619. So it's a very substantial meeting. And um, let's go on now, Pastor Danny, to Redemption Applied. And can you talk just briefly about total depravity, how that we are unable to choose God unless he does a work in our heart? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Um, so, you know, just to kind of get out of the theoretical into the practical, if a person thinks about uh, Adam in the garden, so after Adam sins, what is he doing? Well, he's hiding uh, from God, and when God finds him, uh, then God questions him. Uh, he begins to shift the blame, you know, from himself uh, to his wife. And then after the the Lord speaks and speaks uh, very seriously of, of some of curses upon the serpent, the woman, the man, uh, he kicks him out of the garden. And so that's a and they're not able to go back in. So there's an angel with a flaming sword at the gate or the entrance to uh, the garden. So that just illustrates for us, you know, the the reality of human sin that because of our sins, like Adam, you know, we are outside of uh, God's kingdom, His presence, and so forth. And the only way to get back in is if obviously He takes the initiative and does so. So the 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 concept or the, sometimes the the terminology that is used for that is you know total depravity or uh, total inability uh, or radical depravity, you know, complete sinfulness. Um, so it, it means that, uh, we're not, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we're as sinful as we possibly could be, but it means that in all who we are, our, our body, our, our mind, uh, our will, the things that we love. So, you know, our, uh, our, our desires, all that we are as, as fallen human beings are, uh, is stained and bent by our sins. And so this is why, um, Jesus talks about, you know, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. This is why Paul talks about uh, there being no one good, Romans 3. Uh, no one can uh, seek after God. No one can do righteous things and so forth. So our sinfulness is that bad. Um, and this makes it necessary for God to take initiative. And so he's done so with his work of predestination. He's done so by sending his son to die for us. Uh, and also in terms of uh, the the uh, application of that redemption by the Holy Spirit, he also takes initiative uh, in that as well, to, to, to send his spirit into our hearts uh, to draw us to him. Uh, it's, it's really an act of mercy as God sovereignly awakes us. <laughs> so absolutely. That, yeah, absolutely. So that we can freely choose him. He, he gives us the ability to do that. What a, what a yep. work of grace that is. Yeah. And Paul talks about us being dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, the Lord has to, you know, dig, dig us out of a, of a, a six foot deep grave and he has to resuscitate us. He has to give us, <laughs> uh, he has to breathe into us the breath of life. He has to put on us, on our bones, uh, flesh, like uh, Ezekiel describes with Israel. They, they were a valley of dry bones. They were dead in their trespasses and sins. And so it was God who had to revive them uh, and bring them to life. And so, you know, uh, people discuss and struggle with and, you know, want to kind of push back about, well, what about the free, what about free will and so forth? And uh, the issue is that, you know, we as human beings, we, we have a will and that will is free to choose. But the issue is that it's, it's so skewed by our sins that we are freely going to choose apart from Christ, 
we're going to choose the things that we desire, which are sinful things. Um, and even if, you know, a person does, you know, quote unquote, good things, you know, sort of civil good things, you know, neighborly good things, uh, we would never choose, you know, the ultimate good uh, apart from the work of grace because our wills are bent and uh, and tainted and stained by our sins. Mm. In this third and fourth point of redemption applied, there's one part in here where you list that God works faith in a personal way, not in a mechanical way. Can you elaborate on that briefly? Yeah, um, that's important because, you know, at the time of uh, the Synod of Dort and, and still till today, when people hear that about, you know, man's radical sinfulness and uh, even when we acknowledge that man has a free will, but yet his, his will is, you know, f- going to freely choose uh, the things that are not ultimately good, the things that are not uh, what God commands, we're going to freely choose sin. Uh, they think that that makes us robots, uh, that thinks that, you know, our human response is not really genuine. Um, and the Canons of Dort have this wonderful phrase that God doesn't treat us like uh, stocks and blocks. He doesn't treat us like 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 tree stumps. He doesn't treat us like rocks. Um, he treats us as we are. We are image bearers, yet fallen image bearers. Uh, and he 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 breathes into us his spirit that takes our will that is bent in inside of us towards ourselves. Uh, Augustine had this image of the human will is bent, you know, over itself into itself. So we're always you know being very selfish. Uh, very self-serving, uh, which is idolatry. So God, by His Spirit, uh, doesn't treat us like rocks and and stumps of uh, of, of trees that have no that have no uh, intellect, that have no will, that have no emotion. God, though, breathes into us by His Spirit and redirects our will from being bent in to being pointed out towards Him. Uh, he opens our minds uh, to to understand the true nature of what it means to stand before a holy God. He, he directs our emotions and our affections, the things that we love uh, from ourselves, uh, only ourselves to him. And so God works with, within our existing humanity uh, to redirect us and to change us so that we then uh, reach out in faith and grab hold of him so that we repent. So we can generally say that, you know, we believe we repent. Uh, we love God. Uh, we know his truth and so forth. So there, we are genuinely responding. We are genuinely doing these things. But even that, we can still say, you know, praise be to God uh, that he saves us by his grace. Uh, and that uh, even if the faith that he, even the faith that we have uh, is a gift that he's given to us. Uh, and we praise him for his grace. That's beautiful. Well, today we're talking with Pastor Danny Hyde, and the book is Grace Worth Fighting For. Um, The fifth point of this doctrine, Redemption Preserved. Uh, Can you tell us what that is all about? So people think, uh, you know, Reformed theology, Calvinism, uh, they think that what we believe is uh, what's sometimes called once saved, always saved. So, and and what people mean by that is, well, what you believe is that, you know, 
you you believe in Jesus, you give your life to Christ, and you believe it, and you believe that you're saved. And since you're once saved, always saved, you can't lose that, and so forth. Well, you know, you can live how you want, you can do what you want, you can, uh, you know, you can sin as much as you possibly can, but you're still going to be saved ultimately. And that's not what uh, the Canons of Dort present as the doctrine of uh, perseverance of the saints or the preservation of the saints. Uh, what we believe is that the God who's planned our redemption, who's accomplished it in his son Jesus, uh, who applies it by the Holy Spirit, that same God is going to preserve us uh, by his grace until the end. Uh, and in the meantime, the Kansador talk about the necessity of constant watchfulness, constant prayer, uh, the, the, the struggle with our sins, mortifying or dying to our sins, uh, and that even if we fall like David uh, with Bathsheba, uh, like Peter denying Jesus, uh, that God, uh, that those are serious things, that God even, uh, at times the canons say God permits his saints to fall uh, because of their, because of their, uh, the, uh, into their sins, because of their uh, desires for those sins, which are contrary to his will. But he always revives, he always restores, he always grants again repentance uh, to renew his children. So even if we fall, uh, that's, a, that's contrary to his will, uh, and we don't stay there. That, that's the thing. We're, we, we don't stay in that situation of you know, backsliddenness. Uh, we don't stay in a situation where we, where we want to be sinning uh, and disobeying God. So God will eventually, in his own way, humble us again, uh, show us again our sins, uh, and again, he will renew us, lift us up, and uh, cause us to go out uh, with more renewal, uh, with more uh, desire to serve uh, his grace. So there's a sense in which we speak about the perseverance, which is, the, which is our, you know, our persevering, our active engaging uh, in struggling with sin and, and, and holiness, but it's also called the preservation of the saints because it's God himself uh, who ultimately is upholding us. And so, uh, as Jesus says, John 10, uh, he, uh, that, that, uh, that uh, no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Then he says, no one can snatch us, his sheep, that is, out of my hand because I and the Father are one. And so that's the ultimate hope and comfort and confidence of, this, of the child of God is that it's the Lord, the triune God, who upholds us even in our most grievous falls. Mm. This is all very pastoral, and one thought that also comes to my mind is that sometimes uh, men of God are tempted to try and reinvent the wheel and say, well, <laughs> it's just me and God, the Holy Spirit, and my Bible, and that, that's good, that, that's fine. But we have to have a willingness to dig deep into what our fathers in the faith have already worked through, and that's one yep. of the beauties of the canons of Dort. And I would encourage people to pick up this wonderful book. It's by uh, Daniel R. Hyde. He goes by Danny. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's Grace Worth Fighting For, Recapturing the Vision of God's Grace in the Canons of Dort. And Danny, um, briefly, if someone wants a copy of this book, where can they go to get one? Yeah, I guess uh, the easiest way would be uh, Amazon.com. It's there. Uh, paper, paperback as well as uh, Kindle ebook, um, 
but if people uh, want to buy from uh, smaller Christian bookstores, uh, Reformation Heritage Books is, is the place to go. Okay, Reformation Heritage Books. That's good. And if somebody happens to be in Carlsbad, California, uh, how would they go about visiting Oceanside URC? Yeah, they can find us quickly online, oceansideurc.org, and uh, find me there. Uh, send me an email and uh, meet with us for worship. We meet on Sundays uh, in the morning and in every uh, uh, ten fifteen a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. Uh, every Sunday. We have midweek groups and so forth as well. So, yep, we'd love to hear from people. Um, they can find us on Facebook and, uh, and Twitter as well. You're a busy man. I, I see that you've got a couple of master's degrees, and you're currently completing a Ph.D. Uh, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it goes well. We'll see. Well. We'll see. I, I hope it goes well for you. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you so much for taking your critical time and spending with our listeners today. Danny Hyde, thank you, brother. Yep, thanks for having me. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 